This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Well, good morning. My name is Jeremy Fernandez, and me and my family are visiting here from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I want to extend a a warm welcome to you from our congregation. Uh, Hopefully it's as warm as the one that we've received from you guys. We appreciate your hospitality tremendously. And uh, look forward to the lesson today and getting to know many of you better. Today I'd like to speak on a topic of how to create a loving family atmosphere with food. Sounds good, right? Maybe yummy? So uh, I want to speak about this uh, for just a moment here. Let me figure out. Yeah, so... If you look at Daniel chapter 7, and you were to start there and read, you'll find that the Jews, when they would think of the Son of Man, and we think of the Son of Man coming, right? Um, Daniel's label for the Son of Man is one who comes before God to receive authority over the nations. We understand this is Jesus. And when we think of Jesus, and if we may think of someone different than who the Jews may have thought of in Jesus' day. There he was. He had come. This is a fact. Uh, We look and we believe in the New Testament when Jesus came and he was there. Now, the Jews of his day would have thought, this is not the man. This is not who it should have been. This can't be who David spoke of. This one would have authority over the nations. In fact, this Jesus, or this Messiah who would come, Um, this son of man, he'll vindicate the righteous, he'll defeat God's enemies, a kingdom on this earth. Think how powerful that would feel. Wow, we might actually be able to beat Rome. Isn't that great? That's who they were looking forward to. Someone who would have authority on this earth in their mind, uh, a glory and power here, an earthly one. I want us to think for a second. You know, um, there are only... Three times in the New Testament that the Bible completes this sentence, the Son of Man came. What would you think it is? I'm just going to quiz you real quick. What what might you think? Would Jesus come? Would the Son of Man come with an army of angels? A blaze of glory. Maybe if we agreed with the Jews a little bit, right? What about to save the lost? Yeah, maybe. Preaching the word? To establish the kingdom of God? To die on the cross. What does the Bible say? Three places we really find this in the New Testament. Now, this one's in the negative, but still says it. Mark 10, uh, verse 45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. In Luke 19 and 10, we find this, For the Son of Man has come... Right? It's a fact. Has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This third one, Luke 7 and 34, the center of our study this morning. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. Right? So I want us to notice a few things out here. Uh, we're going to be talking about eating and drinking this morning. Out of the three three times we find this in the New Testament, the first two times, I want you to notice that uh, out of this, it speaks of why 
some ways that why Jesus came. And it is true. He came to, to serve, not to be served. It's true. He came to give his life a ransom for many. That's why he came. For us. For all mankind who had sinned. To die on the cross. We understand that, right? And it was to seek and to save that which was lost, which ultimately is all of us. That's the why. But the how is just as important. That's what I want to study today. How did he do this? How did he share this message of why he was here and how did he do that? And so the how is very important. And um, this third uh, out of Luke 7 and 34 is how he did this. So let's explore this a little bit more. This is very different than John. Okay, so uh, earlier in Luke's gospel, the Pharisees and their scribes uh, said to Jesus, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. Okay, this is an accusation. However, at the same time, uh, when you look at Jesus, he did spend a lot of his time eating and drinking. So there's some foundation here that you do see, yes, the Pharisees would fast, okay, for selfish, self-righteous reasons. Uh, we did see that John would fast, but John said, uh, and the disciples of John, but John said there will be one greater than me, one that's coming after me, right, that he's making the way for, and that would be Jesus. It's the Messiah. And so uh, we do see that Jesus did eat and drink, um, and so there's some, there's some basis for this accusation. But I'm not, through this, uh, this sermon today, I'm not, we're not going to say Jesus was not a party animal, okay? That's, that's not what we're going to look at. But it is suggested, and we do find, that his mission strategy was a long meal, often stretching into the evening. So eating was very important. And he did a lot of evangelism. He did a lot of discipleship and a lot of teaching at the table with a fish, a loaf of bread, and a pitcher of wine and other meals. And so we're going to find this is important. Let's take a look at, the, at just Luke's gospel uh, for the sake of time today. And uh, just in the, in the book of Luke, let's examine some uh, stories that Jesus, when he was eating with people, right? You might recall from Luke 5, with tax collectors and sinners at the home of Levi. A meal was there. Luke 7, uh, when Jesus was anointed at the home of Simon the Pharisee, right? So uh, Luke 9, he fed the 5,000. Fish and bread, anyone? Luke 10, in the home of Martha and Mary, right? In service of, uh, of, of the home there. And Luke 11, he condemns the Pharisees and teachers of the law over a meal. Luke 14, he urges people to invite the poor to their meals rather than just your friends. How many of us only invite our friends to meals? Yeah, Jesus urges the people there to invite the poor. Uh, what lessons we can learn? Luke 19, he invites himself to dinner with Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Luke 22, the Last Supper. Luke 24, even after Jesus had died, was buried, and was resurrected from the dead, what did he do? He came back and he shared a meal. The guy's still eating. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And uh, remember the two disciples in Emmaus. And uh, not only that, but Luke 24, later he eats fish with the disciples there in Jerusalem. And so... Uh, I, I don't know if it's uh, me, or, but when I look at the New Testament, um, I, I just find that uh, over and over again that Jesus, it seems like he's either going to a meal, at a meal, or he just came for a meal, right? And um, uh, let's, let's go more. So even, um, <clears throat> even when Jesus wasn't eating, 
then he seems to give lessons uh, around, right? He references to food uh, all throughout the gospel. So Luke 14, we find he tells the parable of the great banquet. Luke 15, he tells the parable of the prodigal son, which ends with the party. They kill the fatted calf. And uh, Luke 16, he contrasts a rich man who who feasted sumptuously every day, right, associated with meals, and the beggar, the type of meals he had. There was a significance in the meals between the wealthy person and the poor person. And he built a a part of a lesson around that, right? So uh, even in the backdrop, we have food. Uh, Luke 8, uh, 2 through 3, tells about the woman who provided food for Jesus. And so even when Jesus is not eating, he references uh, food, and it seems to abound all through the gospel. Um, Luke 13, 22, um, when asked if few are saved, Jesus warns people to ensure that they themselves enter the kingdom, right? Of which we're part of today, right? His kingdom. For in the last day, people will say, we ate and drank in your presence, okay? So there's something special going on there with eating and drinking in the presence of Jesus himself. Something none of us have done personally, right? But some in this day would have said this. But notice what is mentioned here. It says, but the master of the house will say, I do not know where you came from. Depart from me. Instead, people will come from east and west, from north and south, and recline at the table of the kingdom of God. We know today that'll be Christians, right? That'll be us. That This is a reference um, uh, to being in heaven, I believe, with, with, with God one day. That's important. There's a te- reference of a table there that we would belong somewhere. Definitely, this means more than just gobbling a little bit of calories around the table. There's more. Luke 22, you know, just in uh, 29 to 30, last part um, of what we just read, a portion of there. I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom. That is a blessed place to be. And so... Um, there are many more examples I could give of where Jesus speaks of in reference to food. Um, and oftentimes, even, we'll find that it's in reference to uh, salvation and even judgment. Uh, people are described in terms of good fruit and bad fruit based on how they act. And we can understand these things. If you've had bad fruit, you know what the taste is like. It's undesirable. If you've had good fruit, um, it's, it's nourishing and good. And we understand this. And Jesus understood this when he was teaching. And so when we go back to our verse and we think of this, Jesus didn't just eat to drink and drink to stay alive. Um, And so the second part of this, why would we mention all this? Because he's accused, look, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. You know, the Jews didn't see this coming. Um, But we can look back and understand a lesson out of this. that Jesus wasn't just talking about subsistence eating and drinking. He was accused here also of being a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Okay, so here's where we're getting somewhere. You know, a glutton, who's a glutton? I'd say substantial food, right? Uh, It's in excess, really. Um, So if you eat an excess of food, that's who a glutton is. Who is a drunkard? Someone who would drink too much, namely alcohol, right? So uh, when you think of that, Jesus, well, he was seriously eating and drinking. And to the Pharisees who were fasting all the time, this would look like a a drunkard and a glutton. And it was so much that his enemies here would accuse him of doing it in excess. But the third, what is this? A friend of tax collectors and sinners, 
It's listed along here. What else is he doing in excess? He's talking to the bad people, the people that the Pharisees went in touch with a 10-foot pole, if you will. But Jesus was there with you, with them. All right? So, um, so it's more than just what's going on at the table. He was with people not only that um, others would find significantly not just people you wouldn't want to hang out with. Jesus thought they were significant to him. In fact, remember, he's the seek and save the lost. These are the very people that he wanted to be a friend to. Now, what does this word friend mean? Okay, uh, this word friend, if you look it up, you'll find that it also means companion. All right, now, uh, companion is Latin for together and bread. Starting to make a little sense here. Who was Jesus? He's one who would eat and drink with sinners. He was a companion. To someone who's a companion is dear to you. It means they're special. They're a companion. I feel like I'm on my way to be companions with all of you. Right? By how we've treat, treated each other. A companion is special. Okay? And with Christ's excess of food and drink, he had an excess of companionship. So much that he was there for the sinners. And this was confusing and odd and probably threatening to those that were Pharisees and the scribes and the people who were looking at this. How can this be linked? Well, in the ministry of Jesus, he knew that meals were the perfect method to connect with these people. It was a great way to connect with the sinners. The things of this world were used to do things spiritually. And we know this to be a fact today. Um, it, Think of the salesman, right? Salesmen had this figured out a long time ago, right? Um, the future's old school, if you will. Uh, a lot of good salesmen will go out and they'll have meals with people, won't they? Maybe you've been invited to be by a salesman. Um, and so when we look at Jesus uh, and just the way that he acted, I'll tell you, few acts are more expressive of companionship and being dear than a shared meal. Someone with whom we share meal, a meal with is likely to be our friend on our way to becoming one or on our way to becoming one. And Jesus used this tool. And so uh, he used uh, meals to be significant in people's life and to treat them like they were significant. Okay, But I'll tell you what, one thing Jesus uh, spoke of, he said, man shall not live by bread alone. He needs more. And there's more than just a common meal uh, that would occur when you sit down and meet with people. We need the words of God. Uh, we need a substantial companionship with Christ. With God's word, we need the closeness of the love of God. And you know what? We need to express that to others. And we need to receive that from others too. And so uh, man needs to be loved by others like God loved us, like Christ showed to these people. And so, uh, and what I mentioned earlier was that meals were the way, it's how that Christ was able to reach so many people. This is the how, this is how Jesus brought the message. Upon feeding their bodies, they could then be open to the word to feed their souls. And we see this over and over. Food is substantial. There's something tangible about it. Uh, think back in your own life. There are social occasions. What do they represent? They represent companionship, hospitality, friendship, community, rest, provision, open-mindedness to one another. And so when Jesus was preaching about the kingdom, the meals were the chosen method to reach the lost and dying world, to get it started. And we can use meals today to bring us together in a substantial way 
and create a loving family atmosphere, a loving church atmosphere, a loving home atmosphere, um, a loving work atmosphere. I'll show you some pictures. I'm going to share a little bit of our life with you. I'll bring you to our table, okay? This is in Tulsa, a little bit south of Tulsa. We live in the country. And uh, you, you see my kiddos there. And uh, so uh, before the dinner table here, uh, I want you to, you see, I'm showing you my home. I want you to think about your dining room, your kitchen table, maybe meals you share here at church too. Uh, but as we look at the picture on the left here, okay, there's my kids, all right, we cooked. Um, you'll notice that there's a seat that is empty, okay? Uh, we're kind of sad here because my wife, Andrea, is sick. She couldn't make it. But my daughter missed her uh, so much, she went ahead and made a plate and laid it there because we miss her, all right? This is a place where we come together and um, it was good. What, there are things that are, are talked about here. On the right, you can see uh, my kid's grandma, and we have uh, Noni and Papaw camp uh, once a year, and they go learn, and they use uh, things to make food. Okay, that's an old-style old machine there. You know, they're using to, uh, I think, make butter. And uh, so it's not just even the meal, but the time that you spend together even making a meal. This brings people together. Think of the values that you've learned day by day. I know you have your own memories. You've chatted with your family. You share news. You tell stories. You poke some fun. And um, guests are welcome. People found a home. And some have heard the gospel. And when the bellies are full, uh, the minds are open. And here around the dinner table, um, we see these things, you know. And if you're not there, you're missed. I've got some more pictures. Um, I'll share a little bit out of the congregation at Tulsa. Uh, you guys may remember we, we hosted the area-wide meeting. It was very enjoyable. Uh, we were really tired. Uh, but that whole thing, that whole event, some of you, uh, I hope you were blessed and shared out, got to share with us in that. Uh, we loved meeting some of you out of that. And what, what happened there was it started around a small dinner table. A couple people had an idea, and we thought that might be impossible but maybe we should do it. And you know where it ended up was here. Afterward, we were so tired, we went and ate, okay? No one cooked, okay? No one did cooking, there was no cleaning. Someone else is doing the cooking and cleaning. And so this is our crew uh, gathering afterward, and I decided to take some pictures of it, and I'm glad I did. Uh, you may notice this little blonde-haired gentleman here. Uh, he's got a plate in this picture and not a plate in that picture, okay? Uh, eating together is more than food. So that guy's name is Hudson. He's actually smiling in both. One's just cheesy, right? But the purpose of this, the reason why I'm showing you this, is because, um, uh, be because of how it brings people together. We share these memories, and we wanted to go do this, right? And uh, I, once made, uh, I once made Andrea shrimp and cheese dinner we first, when we first started dating. And I, I called it Jeremy's Surprise, okay? And... Uh, you know, I was, I was very used to Raymond noodles and fried eggs and that kind of stuff, okay? It, boiled eggs, really, just real simple. And so shrimp, shrimp and cheese was about the best I could do at the time. And uh, it was, Andrew and I ate it, and it was surprising how bad it tasted, right? We laughed, just like you guys did, right? It was so funny. She stayed, right? Praise God. And... Next time, she made me chicken and rice. And it was amazing, and it was surprising how long it was before Andrea asked me to cook again. Uh, 
and, uh, but it was enjoyable. I remember those things, right? Why? Because it brought us together more. Uh, on the left here, you'll see my family, Andrea's family, who I'm adopted into. Uh, we come together for Smith Christmas. And so you can see as we're making memories, right? Uh, holidays, weddings. On the right, uh, here's, here's a wedding in Arkansas uh, for the Springers getting married. And what a glorious time. There's Pat Man in there. And we're, we're sitting down and Blaine and others. I, I, can, I can name so many people in this picture I have memories with. We got to share this one together. Why is it that we eat at weddings? Because it brings us together, right? Maybe you remember important decisions that you made around the table. Maybe you were reconciled with, reconciled with another over a meal. Maybe your family still bonds by laughing at the time you messed up the recipe. Right? Once again, I mean, for us, um, I made cauliflower soup. My kids now call it cauliflower soup because I had too much pepper in it. Okay? It burned our mouths. And they said, yeah, Dad, it'll be a while before you cook again. Right? But um, that kind of stuff. Over and over. What about these guys? You, you know who these guys are? This is the home of the, the, my favorite Averitts, as they like to call themselves. They invited us over, right? Did you know uh, uh, Clint and I just only met briefly at, uh, a, 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 oh, what was it, like eight months ago or something? We, chat, we sat outside and chat for a little bit. And he said, you should come out to Arkansas and meet my brothers and sisters at Alma. That sounds kind of crazy. Let's go. So guess what? They invited us over into their home. And uh, we've enjoyed it. Maybe you remember uh, these things, right? Meals make lasting memories. You know, Amy's sopapilla cheesecake, Dorito casserole, right? Setting off smoke alarms in breakfast. The food is good, yes. More is the laughter, the time the words shared, okay? And we talked about Bible stuff, right? Everyone puts love into each other. The atmosphere is safe. It builds us up. And that's what makes it significant. And when we see Jesus doing this, we see joy abound, okay? We see Zacchaeus, right, who Jesus invites himself over to his house, right? I shall dine with you. We want to dine at the table of Christ. And so what does this mean to you? What do you really remember the most? My guess, it's the people you had the meal with, isn't it? Well, I want to tell you, it was like that in Jesus' time. It was like that today, and it'll be like that for all the time to come until Jesus comes, and we get to sit at his table. And, that way, and so um, when we look at meals, I, I believe that what we can do is we can follow Jesus' lead and make the same significance out of those things that he did because he was a friend, a companion, and dear person to friend, to tax collectors, and sinners. And uh, we know that a family that eats together will stay together, and it's significant. And a church family who does that will do the same. So what can we get out of this? What, you know, what, what, what do we do with this? Um, let's read the next verse. So Luke 7 and 35, I want to read out of the English Study Bible. Um, if you're reading out of King James or New King James, uh, it, it'll say essentially the same thing. Um, but this, this says, therefore, wisdom is justified of all her children. Okay, New King James will say, but wisdom is justified of all her children. You know what that means? That this thought is tied to the previous one. Okay, that's what Jesus is teaching. And so, what, what does that mean? Um, Jesus taught us that meals are an integral and significant part of our shared Christian life. You know, wisdom is an application of knowledge. You can be book smart. 
you guys know this, right? There are a lot of people that you can be book smart, but if you don't know how to apply it, nothing really happens, okay? Uh, the world doesn't change. There's nothing that, that moves the needle on that. So wisdom is the application of knowledge, is justified, another way to say that is proven, of all her children by what you produce in life. So if I could rephrase this uh, for a meeting, if you'll let me. The application of knowledge, so what you have learned, if you were to apply that in life, it's proven by what you produce in life. The fruit you produce in life. Remember when Jesus said there's good fruit and bad fruit? What are we producing in life? Around our tables. Are we producing a common meal? Are we taking that opportunity to inject something uh, into our families or our guests or into taxpayers and sinners whom we, who we invite and purposely go and see to change their life for eternity? And so I want to encourage us, simply, I want to encourage us in those good works. I want to encourage us. And the good news is half of it's baked in. So how can we do that? This is the easy part of the lesson. Set aside a time and place. Pick a place. July 2nd, 2023 was a date we set in October. Thanks, Clint. Right? So find a time and place. Who can I meet with, right? Um, and when can we meet? Maybe you open your home. Maybe you go to a restaurant. Uh, meet up. You know, everybody's got to eat. Why not take, make special use of the time to encourage someone else? Meet up. Eat something. Um, don't take for granted that everybody has three meals a day. I, I want to share a little bit of something here. When, when I was a, a teenager, my family was going through a pretty nasty divorce, right? And when that was happening, um, in order to help feed my family, I had to go to work. I had to buy groceries. And um, that was a good experience and a bad experience. Uh, one day, I opened my door, and there was a huge set of sack of groceries on our front porch. Me and my brother feasted. And there was a little note in there that said, we heard you were going through a tough time. Just want to let you know that God loves you. There's more to meals, okay? You know what I decided that day? That Christians love other people like Christ says in the Bible that he loves us. And so eat something. Bring a meal. Feed someone. You can open their minds uh, to, to an eternal future, uh, future. Why not invite someone over and connect with them at the same time? Listen about stuff. We have two ears and one mouth. Why not listen? Find out what this other person's story is. Even if it's someone in the church, just listen to them. Find out what's going on. Talk about stuff. Right? When they have questions, answer. Uh, talk about uh, meaningful stuff, uh, significant stuff. Uh, make some memories. They'll happen naturally, I, I assure you, uh, around the table or wherever you eat. And I'm going to encourage you and all of us to be a substantial companion. Someone who is together with bread. And don't just do it with your friends. I'm going to say the same thing that Jesus would say. I'll urge you to go eat with sinners and tax collectors. Okay? Um, uh, they need to hear that message too. And um, I've, seen, uh, I've seen conversions occur around the table. Let's go get baptized. Uh, I was one of those people, and uh, I have met others as well. Another thing, too, is be grateful. Tell God thanks. Um, and 
I, like I said, I think a lot of this will happen naturally, but who's in need of some encouragement today? I know I've seen people where they'll get sick in the church, and we call it a casserole carpet bomb. You know, we'll bring them food for a while. Why? Because it's encouraging to people, okay? So let's do that. Bring them a refreshing meal. And so I'm going to encourage you in this work. I'm going to encourage you uh, to create a loving family atmosphere in the church and in your home and really any opportunity that you can to touch someone else. That's all I had to speak on today. I pray it's been uplifting and encouraging to you. Love to encourage you in these works. And thank you uh, for giving us the opportunity to share some meals with you too as well. We have a song that's been selected. There are some in here that maybe, uh, maybe they've been convicted. Maybe it's time to be baptized, to obey the Lord uh, in, in baptism, or maybe your heart is hurting. I know there's brothers here that would pray with you, and we stand ready to help you in any way and bring you to the table of Christ. Let us stand and sing the song of encouragement. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.